Today's workplace podcast disclaimer, JT Wilson. This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's Workplace Podcast. Welcome to Today's Workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Collaborate taps into how effectively we create psychological safety. That space where we can feel like we can share our ideas, we can challenge each other, we can offer divergent views, and even maybe offer some new ideas, some suggestions. And so thinking about Collaborate takes me back to, as I shared, I was with this firm who was just cutting edge and doing all kind of innovation around diversity at the time. And we were putting together this tool called a culture college where we were really doing this immersion into different ethnicities and races to help organizations enhance their cultures. And on the team, you know, we had several different people who thought differently about things, which was by intention. We were diverse by design. And in order for us to leverage the benefits of that diversity, we needed to understand each other. And we learned that some of that understanding was about understanding our cognitive diversity, how we think questions that are most important to us, the information that we need in order to make a solid decision about something. I often found myself in the space of asking why questions like, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we try that? Or, you know, why don't we explore doing this? When others were asking like the implementation questions, like, well, how will that work? Well, how will we get that to this site? And how will that roll out? And what will the timeline be? Sort of some how and when questions. And that can cause some frustration and some potential conflict. When I'm like, you know, let's brainstorm, brainstorm, brainstorm. And someone's like, great with all the ideas, but, you know, the execution. How are we going to get a concrete football field space environment covered with carpet? How is that going to happen? Right. And, you know, so just getting down and how are we going to get food into this theater down in Harlem? We need to understand that the ideas are great, but we need to get down to this space. And so when we figured out that at the core of some of our frustration, and it's not about, okay, I'm never going to get frustrated, but I have awareness now that this is frustrating me. When I get to the core of understanding what it is, what can I do with that information? Well, I can acknowledge that both the why questions and the how questions and the when questions and the who questions all matter. 
And so I can sometimes we adjust what I'm listening for, or I can reframe it so that someone else can hear it. I can say I need to get to the big picture first and then we'll get to the details. I can, you know, offer up a process where we all feel that we're not talking at each other, but we're really collaborating. And collaboration is where you get the greatest creativity, the innovation. And, you know, some of the things that we created were just world class then and they're world class now. But it took us not only saying we're diverse by design, but really leveraging that diversity with intention. When I talk about how to bring collaboration effectively forward, I offer two strategies. And that's, you know, a bit of what I just shared. Every voice heard, making sure every voice is invited in and that every emotion is acknowledged. So if you see someone, a team member that's leaning back, arms folded, not engaged, having the courage to ask, hey, I'm wondering, how are you feeling about what we're talking about? How is this landing for you? of the empowerment that we should have. And when we lead with emotional intelligence, those are the types of things that we do as leaders. So next is conflict. So this is C number six. And so when we think about conflict, you know, all of the ones that we've talked about come to bear here. Have you put in the work to build a relationship? Are you fully present to understand maybe what some of the pain points might be? So I believe When we think about conflict, and I'll ask you all to align with this or not, but I believe that we've all had those moments where maybe we've hit the reply button on a fiery email. (laughs) And we've said to ourselves, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I have my minimize rule, which is when I write one of those emails, I minimize it for about 30 minutes and I come back and I read it and 99% 99% of the time, I don't send it. I was going to say, that's a that's a good tool. I might borrow that from No, you. really, because you Barbara. it's so easy just to go off. And then it's like, oh my, you can't take it back. It's out there. Right. What yeah. And what I found with myself is that sometimes when I react immediately, it's better for me to just leave it alone, not respond, and come back to it and reread what it is that caused the reaction. And most of the time, well, more than half of the time, I'll figure out the fact that I may have just read it the wrong way or just assumed an intent that probably wasn't present. And so then I'm able to respond kind of like with with calmer nerves, but it could cause great conflict if I would respond immediately at the same time that I'm reacting. And that's the key, as you both expressed, it is creating the space from reacting, which is that fight, flight, or freeze, that automatic response system that activates within us. It's it's going to happen. But if we do something like Barbara with the minimizing the email or just give ourselves a moment to stop and breathe, then we can have that capacity to then respond with intention, with more awareness. And that's what we talk about when we talk about conflict, really navigating it, because some conflict gets us to greater creativity. So it's also really understanding what type of conflict this is, but also how we are showing up in that moment. And I have worked with clients when something gets at their value system. So understanding our values is very important, but when it presses on their values, 
and it goes against it, we usually see more reaction versus responding. Mm. And that self-awareness enables that. And that takes me back to one of my early, early coaching engagements. And I was working with someone who was just a stellar performer. Everyone loved them, but there was just one person where they showed up just with such visceral reaction that it was really unexplainable. Mm -hmm. And it was several sessions in that I realized when I rolled back and I said, well, tell me more about your core values. What really, you know, is, is really guiding you, um, your North star. And it was like almost instantaneously, I could see that how this other person was described was in full opposition to some of those things that were core. And, you know, it unlocked a lot of insight that got to some real critical actions to navigate conflict more um, with more savvy. So we've gone through the six. And so the last is culture. And I really believe all of these help us unlock a culture of belonging. When we're fully present, we minimize the impact of bias. When we are able to see ourselves and lean in to see how we are experienced by others that comprehend, when we do the work to connect with what matters to others, when we're communicating and we're open to hearing fully those different voices, collaborating in meaningful ways and navigating conflict, we create then through our norms and micro shifts, a space where people really feel like they belong. And that's what we're all driving for when, um, for me, when we uh, unlock each of these C's to create this. And when we get to that space, I think we also have to invite courage to do the work to maintain it. So we are saying these are the values that matter. These are the norms we want to practice. And what will I do to be accountable for how my behaviors contribute or amplify the emotional intelligence? And what will I do when my behaviors and the behaviors of my colleagues and teammates in some way mute um, that emotional intelligence that we know we need? And so it's about having the courage to speak up, calling your teammates and your colleagues in to give them insight and, you know, experience a joint teachable moment, or maybe calling them out to say this behavior um, does not align with our values, nor the culture we're trying to maintain. Mm -hmm. Wow. So culture is the big C that brings a lot of these together, working together. Yeah, absolutely. The big C. So now that you've you've really I and mean, thank you for that, I learned a lot <laughs> in understanding those uh, seven C's. But I'd like to know if you can describe then the signs of a leader who is operating with a high degree of emotional intelligence. I mean, do they are they exhibiting all seven of these, or what does it look like when you know that EI is high within a leader? Okay, I, I love that question, Belinda. They also know it's high too, right? It's, you know, so they have some knowledge. So on some level, yes, each of these is operating with some intentionality. And I'm just going to think about some of the success stories that I've had in coaching leaders and how they come back at the end of a coaching engagement and talk about how they are experiencing the workplace differently, the relations different. In, in different ways. And so I go back to the example I shared where the person had this career limiting blind spot. After we did the work, he was able to not only talk about in terms of at work, but also in his personal life, 
He was like, oh, this is helping me out at home as well. He said, you know, I pause now and I make sure that I'm really engaged in the conversation with my partner, with my children, and it's changed the way we're acting with each other. And then he talked about, well, now this particular colleague who was avoiding him and may have been complaining about him was now seeking out his advice, inviting him to participate in meetings and was joking with him. Right. And so those are some of the subtle ways. And I think we can create a list. Absolutely. But these are those anecdotal things that after a coaching, after some heightened awareness, people are like, oh, yeah, this is different. I am a little bit different. And sometimes my clients will jokingly say, well, Patrice, you're sitting on my shoulder now. It's like, well, now, how would you handle that situation? And they <laughs> capacity to pause in a different way, to think about themselves in a different way, and to really drive for alignment between their values and also how they want others to experience them. The famous Maya Angelou quote, people might forget what you taught them or told them, but they're never going to forget how yeah. you made them. So a lot of how we know that someone is leading with emotional intelligence is the way they make you feel. They make you feel connected. They include you in. They're making sure you feel valued, that your voice is heard, that you are and heard and supported, right? Those types of things. And I'm sure if I ask both of you, you know, think of a leader who was impactful and got you here um, to where you are right now you would then see, absolutely, they were operating with high emotional intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what success looks like. What are what are some of the biggest challenges that you encountered in working with clients using this approach? My model started with the connect. And then I realized I real no, it started with comprehend. So I had comprehend, connect, communicate, collaborate, and conflict. So I had these five right at the center of it. I was like, well, something's missing. I need to make sure that we're here and engaged. So I added centering to say we've got to be fully present to really even do these in an impactful and an intentional way. And then if we're really doing these, we have to be willing to say, which then invited the seven C culture that my behaviors in some way, if they're allowed to continue and persist, create the culture. And so the biggest challenges I have had have been in helping people understand the value of, let me pause and stop. Let me not just charge right in because the insight comes when I'm fully present. And then also acknowledging, wow. So the way that I'm communicating with Belinda and Barbara, the way that I'm collaborating with the cross-functional teams I'm operating, all of that is building a culture that either is going to be one where people feel that psychological safety or not. So it's that piece of ownership and accountability. So asking people to pause and take that minute to arrive sometimes feels awkward. We, We are so driven often, like, here's the agenda, let me get this done, that pausing feels like, how do I have time to do that? And sometimes my response is, when you feel like you don't have time to do that, that's when you absolutely need it. Mm. You know, Patrice, I know sometimes you're brought into situations where there has been an issue in the workplace and somebody else decides you need an executive coach or you need to work with Patrice and they bring you on board. So you talked about some of the challenges But what are some of the techniques that you use to get the leader 
to recognize the value that you can bring to the situation, especially when there's this resistance because I don't have a problem, right? I mean, I don't even know why I'm meeting with you or talking with you. It's all them and it's not me. Absolutely. And well, I always start with level setting on why we're here. You know, heard you talk earlier, Barbara, about situations where people are not getting the feedback and that creates an issue. And so if I am brought in to help someone see more fully and more clearly their opportunity area to develop in a way that really aligns with the organization's values, I have to start with with full transparency around why we're here and to get your buy-in on that. And one of my key strategies is, you know, I am here on behalf of the organization and that does create some accountability that I owe to the organization. And I'm your coach. I'm your coach. So this is the work that we're going to do together. So I really invest time in creating a psychologically safe space. And I give some time for things to unfold and connect. One of my key strategies which goes back to the connect piece. And I talked about the non-negotiable. I start each session, not only with, for most, a minute to arrive, but also tell me what's going on. A very open-ended, tell me what's going on professionally and personally. And I offer a caveat or a disclaimer. You share at the level you want to share. And I'm not asking you, you to tell me everything. I want you to feel comfortable. But it is so important for me as a coach to understand what's most alive and present for individuals. And when I'm able to build that relationship, that helps us create safer space. So there are sometimes some resistance around why do I need to change? And sometimes the challenge is helping people understand we all have the capacity to evolve if we want to be even better. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I invite the empowerment of you get to control the narrative here. I had a stumble. I leaned in and I took some insights from others about how I was showing up and I learned and I've evolved and I've grown. Isn't that the incredible story a leader can tell versus, well, you know, I just decided I'm not going to change. They need to change. And, you know, I'm moving on. But to help them to see that capacity and I stay in it, I stay in it with them. And when I think about some of the responses that I get from my clients, it, it, it speaks to the trust that we built. It speaks to the empathy that I bring to the relationship and the coaching and it also speaks to the, I'm, I'm not letting you off the hook. Mm-hmm. A friend recently said, well, Patrice, if I work with you, what are you going to try to pay me in? What kind of currency? Is it just going to be smiles and positive quotes? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad you feel that. And, you, you know, when we're interacting, I bring that. And I also bring a gentle push when it's needed. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes what my role as a coach is, is to hold the mirror up and to be there as you look, because it's all about that inside work we do to have greater outward impact. And sometimes when we're looking inside, we see some things that we might not really like, that we might not really realize, oh, that was there. And so my role as a coach is to do that. And so when you think about, to answer the technique, it's about bringing my authenticity and my trustworthiness to the relationship, but also making sure that we are both focused on evolving into a version of where we are right now. 
Wonderful. So Barbara, do you want to go with the last question here looking at our time? Sure. Patrice, you've provided such valuable insight into how you work with organizations and with leaders. And I know you've written a book that is a tremendous resource and that you have additional resources that our listeners may enjoy. So tell us about these resources. So I had the pleasure earlier this year to join with several other executive coaches to write a book called Micro Shift, Small Mindset Changes for Big Results. And we each contributed a chapter that spoke to a passion element of the work that we do. And so I wrote a chapter on resilience because I really believe that resilience invites greater confidence. Resilience also requires some self-compassion. So resilience is the thing that can empower us and instill within us the ability to bounce back. We will only avoid failure if we do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And there's someone who quoted that. And so we will all experience failure. So it's our capacity to be able to reframe it sometimes, to um, be fully present and mindful about what we can learn from it and then move forward. And so I was excited to offer resilience as my chapter. And I would love for anyone who's interested to check out the book. It was upon its release an Amazon bestseller. So you can find it on Amazon. That's micro shift, small mindset changes for big results. And, and we'll the- also, well, let me just interrupt you to say, we'll also have a link to the book on our website. Right. So today's workplacepodcast.com and um, listeners can find additional information there. Awesome. I appreciate that. And then the seven C's, um, they will be part of a um, program that will be released in partnership with an organization called Rally, which has a unique learning management system that enables um, cohorts of people to access the learning of each C as a team, um, as an organization. And so I'll share information on that as well, but it's it's really helping people move through each of those C's with content and support to help them see more fully what micro shifts they need to make as individuals to create the type of team norms that are going to support the type of collaboration and innovation and belonging that we know is a hallmark of healthy, productive teams. Great. Yeah, those are some great resources. And I think just so very much needed and very timely as uh, organizations are really struggling to adjust to the new culture of the post-pandemic workplace. I can see where every single one of those attributes in your seven C's can be so helpful, you know, in the learning of leadership. And of course, individuals and team members follow, you know, the energy that they get from their leaders. And so thank you so much for all of this great, great content on a very important topic. Patrice, it was really nice to spend this time with you. Thank you both. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reach. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E dot com.